In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Congratulations, uh, many happy returns to you all for the glorious feast of Nativity. Um, <clears throat> in this uh, holiday season, in this blessed feast, we saw the Nativity scene actually in, uh, in the, in the Paramon, yeah, this morning. And today is actually the visit of the Magi to, or the wise men to, uh, his home, to the Lord's home, uh, in Bethlehem. Uh, and they came offering gifts to him. Uh, and they came offering these gifts. And gifts, you know, again, even with this season, is something they were accustomed to. You know, to exchange gifts and the giving of gifts and giving of charity. It's usually a highly charitable time of year. And this is great. Um, and this is an expression of love. Giving a gift to someone is an expression of love. And we like to reciprocate that love to one another in the exchange of gifts. And as the wise men came expressing their homage to a king who was to be born, they came offering him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Little did they know that although they were coming to offer gifts, yet they would be the ones with the rest of the world to receive gifts from the young child who is uh, sitting before them. Uh, of course, there were some of the prophecies that the, his eminence had mentioned in, um, in his uh, message, but there are a couple that we see from the readings that we saw today. We saw the shepherds, or the angels, when they uh, came to announce to the shepherds, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. So he's the gift to the world, but he's the Savior of the world. Um, also another gift is the heavenly host. When they came again and uh, proclaimed to the uh, shepherds, they said to them, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So another gift that Christ has come to give to the world is the gift of peace. Again, as his uh, eminence mentioned, or as uh, mentioned that is definitely needed in this day and age where we have wars right and left. And the Lord himself, he said uh, in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So it's a gift of love. So we see the Lord, although he's in a manger, he's actually the gift to the world. Uh, and St. Athanasius, in his book on the Incarnation, tells us the reason for this gift was someone compelling God to give him, to, for him to offer his son? No. He says what? He says he has been manifested in human body. So the Lord Jesus, the Logos, was manifested in human body for this reason only, out of the love and goodness of his Father for the salvation of men. So the only reason he came and took flesh is because He loved us. Nothing else. Out of His love and His desire to save us. So this morning we'll explore briefly the gifts that God has given us through His incarnation. And in doing so, we will answer the question, why the incarnation? Why? And uh, I know it's late for all of us, so it's hard for us to kind of focus. So we're going to make it easy for you. Okay? There are just going to be five points. Right? And each one starts with the letter R. Okay? So you can try to remember it. Okay? The first gift he gave us was to be reconciled. Right? Reconciliation. The uh, through the incarnation, we are both reconciled to God, the Father, and to one another as neighbors. And to be reconciled to means, uh, means to restore, to be in communion with God, or to restore, to be in harmony again. It's just like, you know, if you get in, uh, you know, a fight with somebody, 
uh, a brother, sister, husband, wife, or anybody. The reconciliation part is the restoring of the harmony in the relationship to its uh, pure state. Um, so the Lord Christ came to bring this reconciliation between God, the Father, and us. Listen to what he said, St. Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses uh, to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So he's saying that Christ came into the world to reconcile us to the Father and us to one another. And it's not just, you know, uh, at the time, it wasn't just the Jews, and now it's not just the Coptic people. It's the whole world. He wants to reconcile the whole world to himself. And he also reconciled uh, the people among each other, us uh, among each other. When the apostles were writing in the early century, there was a divide between what is called the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews felt themselves to be, these are really special people, and there's no one like us, and God only likes us. And everybody else was called the Gentile. So we would be, the majority of us would be, part of the Gentiles. So look what St. Paul says uh, in his letter to Ephesians. He says, For he, God himself, is our peace, who has made both one, both meaning what? Both the Jews and Gentiles. So we made the whole world one. You know, before Christianity, each religion had its own, you know, people. But only in Christianity is the world was at the time, the world was united under one faith. It's the faith that united us, not where we came from. And he continues, said, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself a new man from two. Who's the new man? This is the church. He creates the church from both the Jews and the Gentiles, the whole world, thus making peace. This is the peace on earth and goodwill toward men that the angels were referring to. But now all can be reconciled to one another and to God the Father. And I'll skip to the bottom in verse 18. He says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So through this unity with one another in the church, we have access now to the Father because we become part of his body. So the first R is reconciliation. He came to reconcile us to God the Father and to one another. The second R is that he came to restore us to uh, and restore our nature and to restore our way. We can think of restoration as a healing, right? When somebody goes to a physician and is healed through the work of the physician, this person has been restored to health, right? So after sin came into the world, man was separated from God, and the grace that covered him and protected him was no longer there. Thus he was subject to corruption and death. And we lost our way, once guided by God, now guided by our own whims. We are no longer agents of life as intended to be, but we're agents of death and uh, under the sway of death. So when Christ came, he came to restore our nature because it was in need of healing. And this is what he referred to when he said that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he came to restore us, to make us whole again. How? Through the forgiveness of our sin. Preaching of repentance. And when we participate in this repentance, and we receive the forgiveness of our sin, then our communion with him is restored once again. And he also came to restore the lost, those who were separated from him. Or we can say for those in the time, the Gentiles. Or you and I who were maybe uh, lost, or somebody who was lost and not in the church. He gives us the example of himself as being the good shepherd, the one who seeks and saves those who are lost. And he tells us in John chapter 10, and he says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. The other sheep are you and I, were the Gentiles, the ones who are outcasts, the ones who are rejected, the ones who are forgotten, the ones who are considered as being insignificant. Christ came to make all of us significant in himself. And he says, Them also I must bring, that there will be my, that they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. All under his umbrella, all under his uh, guidance and his uh, shepherding. So he came, number two, to restore our nature and to restore our way. Number three, he came to reveal to us the knowledge of God. For us to know God on a more intimate and personal level. In the Old Testament, we understand God through the experiences of the people of Israel. But again, this is just through the people. They didn't see a perfect person. They didn't see God in the flesh. They didn't see how man ought to have been when he was created. Until the incarnation of the Son of God. When he came and took flesh and showed us the natural beauty or the original beauty of humanity. He says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal. So we know the Father, and we know of Him through the Son and, and those whom He revealed Himself to. And Christ came to reveal to us the mystery of salvation. Again, in the Old Testament, there was just a shadow of things. And there were the sacrifices and all of these things they just did as uh, rites. But only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ did all of this now make sense. The whole economy of salvation was now known to us and is put before us in Christ. This is why St. Paul says in the Ephesians, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purpose in himself and again we say the same thing in the divine liturgy we say uh, about uh, Christ that he was incarnate and became man and taught us the what the ways of salvation he taught us the way of salvation so he came took flesh to teach us the way of salvation to reveal to us the knowledge of God and the economy of God number three he came to reveal Number four, he came to release. Release us from what? Release us from the authority of Satan and the captivity of, that sin has on us. Prior to the incarnation, death uh, and resurrection of Christ, all humanity was sentenced to Hades. Regardless of your good deeds, regardless of who you were, but they were sentenced to Hades because there was nobody who was perfect. There was no redemption. There was no reconciliation yet. So Christ came to release us from this bond, the bond of Satan and of sin. As St. Paul says to the Colossians, he says, 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So He delivered us from the power of darkness. He came to release us from this power and give us freedom in Himself. Satan's desire, my beloved, is to keep us bound. When I look at my life and I say, I keep going back to the same sin over and over and over again. This should give us a warning or a red flag. It's time for me to repent. Not that repentance will keep us from doing the same thing again, but at least I acknowledge my weakness and I desire to change. And with this desire, Christ can work with you and me to make us into His image. And sometimes this is a slow process and we don't, maybe we don't even see it. And we always look at ourselves as being you know, sinful, and I'm still in the same place as I was. But he's the one, the artist, that who fashions us and makes something beautiful out of us, maybe without us even knowing. But we must come to him with a repentant heart, and he can change us. St. Paul also says to the Galatians, Stand fast, therefore, in liberty and freedom, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again, with the yoke of bondage. Sometimes, you know, those who haven't experienced the mystery of confession and true repentance, we don't understand what it means to be loosed from our bonds. To have that burden lifted off of our chest and off of our shoulders and put onto Christ. Being filled with this new hope of, I can overcome this by His grace. We're missing a lot when we deprive ourselves from repentance and confession. He came to release us from the authority and bond of Satan. Lastly, He came to receive us unto Himself. This is the salvation. He came to receive us unto Himself. As we said in the beginning, the Lord said, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. He came to give us everlasting life with Him in His kingdom. And also he says in the beautiful prayer that the Lord said in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he opens and pours his heart before the Father, and thankfully St. John was close enough to hear what the Lord was saying and recorded it for us. And the Lord is praying to the Father, and he says, I do not pray for these alone, for the disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their word, you and I. What is his prayer? that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. His desire is that we be one with Him. What a great gift that none of us really deserve. Nobody deserves this gift. No one deserves this to even be found worthy of being one with Him. But because of His love for us, this is His desire for you and I. We said that the incarnation of the Logos of the Word of God is a gift from the uh, Father to humanity. And He came to reconcile, to restore, to reveal, to release, and to receive. Now it's our turn. When someone gives you a gift, what is my response to the gift? Do we say thank you and take the gift and go our way? Or is there some kind of response that I give to the person who gave me a gift, even if it's thank you very much? Or I don't deserve this. Why are you being so kind? Or giving them a gift in exchange. What's my response going to be? We can ask and say, uh, how Lord would you like me to love you in exchange? 
the immense love that you poured on me, how do you want me to love you in exchange? You know what he tells us? He tells us, I want you to love your brethren. I want you to love each other. Those parents out there will maybe share my sentiment when it's this time of year and your kids might ask you, mom and dad, what do you want for, for Christmas? Maybe most of us, a lot of us will say, I don't want anything except for you and your siblings to get along and, and be nice to each other. Right? The desire of any parent is that their children are in harmony and in peace. What else could we want? This is the most valuable thing. God is no different. We ask him, God, how can we return this love to you again? I want you to love your brethren. Everyone. This is what St. John tells us. The author of love. He says, for someone says, I love God and hates his brother. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So today as we receive the gifts of God through his incarnation, what gift am I going to offer in exchange to him? This is the love that I share to my brethren. Whether it's humbling myself and apologizing, or reconciling with somebody maybe that I've been in strife with for a long time, or offering a good and kind word, or forgiving someone who's asked my forgiveness. I will leave you with a reminder of one of the parables that the Lord shared with us and told us, the parable of the unforgiving servant. The parable goes that there was a man who had a vineyard and it was time for them to give an account of their stewardship. And then one of the people that worked for this master owed 10,000 talents worth of money to the master. And just to put things in perspective, and this is the purpose of the uh, of the parable, one talent is 6,000 denarii. One denarii is one day's worth of work. So what he owed his master was 10,000 talents. You know how many days of work that is? Wow, pretty impressive. Yes, 60 million days of work. One person can't pay this. A family can't pay this. Maybe a nation. But this shows the debt that's on us before God. 60 million days worth of work. And then when he begs him and says, please forgive me and have patience and give me time, he says, I've forgiven you all. Go your way. And he goes. And as he's going, he finds another man who owes him 100 denarii, which is just three months worth of work, right? He owes him 100 denarii and he said the exact same thing. Have patience with me and I will repay you all. And he took him by the throat and said no and threw him in prison. And then one of the servants saw this and he went and told the master. What did the master say to him? He says, should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? We come and receive all of the gifts of God and among them we receive forgiveness. And the amount of debt that we owe is 60 million days worth of work. Nobody can repay, but God forgave us. And when our brother or sister come and say something to us that hurts our pride, we don't forgive them for years. Let us today offer to God what he wants, and this is the reconciliation between one another, to love one another. This is the gift we can offer him today. He came to offer us salvation and the five R's we spoke of, and let us return and reciprocate this love by loving one another. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.